Oh, it's beginning to look a lot like Cappy. Everywhere you... Actually, it is starting to look a lot like Cappy everywhere you go because I'm everywhere. It'd be more appropriate to sing the Johnny Cash song because I have been everywhere, man. We are in... We're in nowhere. We're in New Mexico. In between Raton and Las Vegas, New Mexico. I have to look it up. And I've been down this stretch of interstate many times now. And, uh... Get over here by this guy's truck over here. Lots of fuzz. Lots of fuzz on I-25 in New Mexico. In this entire trip, I have not seen one cop until I got all the way to New Mexico. Left at... What a godly hour did I leave at? 6 a.m.? I got in... Uh, and I had to account for flooding... Normally, what I what you do is to get to Las Vegas, Lake Vegas, baby. You gotta you gotta get to Denver, and the quickest way is you go through Nebraska. You take some back roads through Sioux City, Iowa. But you get to drop down to Omaha. Aaron, what's great about Omaha? Well, let me tell you, a young, fine, intrepid, cappy capite. What's great about Omaha? What's great about Omaha is to have Rooster Booster Light. That's right. And then I was, and I looked funny. And you may laugh. You may laugh. But it's the small victories in life that count. And I was very excited to get my Rooster Booster Light. Except for all the snow. They got that cyclone. They got tons of snow in the plain states. And now all that, that was about three weeks ago, maybe. And now all that snow is melting. It's going into the rivers, and uh, the Missouri River has flooded over Interstate 29, so you can't go to Omaha, or you can, but it's a circuitous route you have to take. It's no longer the most direct route. And so the, uh, the Google had me going through the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, it was a debate which way to go. I was like, ah, I just want. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do an enjoyable trip. There's the enjoyable trips where you stop and visit the Great One, Denver Ben, Albuquerque Adam, Mister and Missus Elkins, the Sarge. You know, you got to check in on the League of Justice. And this was not going to be one. This was going to be a rocket run. Uh, even as I was pulling into Denver last night, I was thinking, I can make it to Vegas. <laughs> I still got the energy. I can make it to Vegas. And, uh, no, no, I prom. I gotta go. I left my charger at, uh, Denver Benz. So I better go get my charger. And then you can tell it's not a, not a visiting trip. It's not a social call trip. Is when you, you, you don't visit the great one. You don't stop at Fort Collins. And there was the exit. It pained me. There was the exit to go Highway 14 from Highway 76. Atham, look it up. Could have gone straight across, gone through Alt, stopped in, visited the Great One, crashed on the fine, comfortable couch. We could have gone through his, his archive of papers, looking up what dipshit uh, college students from CSU wrote 10 years ago, and then look them up today and see what miserable, epitomal, millennial failures they are today. We could have done that. But no, this is a rocket run. And then I get to Denver Benz pulling late. Nah, man, I got to get going. Nah, I like to stay. Nah, I got to leave early. Got to wake up early. Because I got to have breakfast with Sergeant Greg. And uh, and then there was like just a little, little something in the back of my head. Say, uh, hey, maybe, maybe you, uh, you know, given all the flooding... That happened in the Plain State. Maybe, maybe you want to see if the I-70 Eisenhower Pass is open. And boy, am I glad I did that. Because at 1 a.m. Mountain Time, <clears throat> I'm looking at the... Hey, this is another fuzz. What's with all the fuzz? Hey, what's going on? So, uh, I'm glad I did because all of a sudden there's a warning, travel warning, like, oh yeah, you need snow tires and chains, they have a law, like, you can't go up in that pass unless you have snow tires, which this car does, the new car, the new crappy salvage title car does, but I was looking at the map, I'm like, that's, that's a trap, if that's now, 
If that's at 1 a.m., what's it going to be like when I hit that thing at 8 a.m.? You know, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to avoid the Denver traffic, <clears throat> which is horrible. But then, you know, Frisco, Copper Mountain. I have to look these towns up. How sad is it I know all these towns now? I know them by heart. I said um, unto myself, uh, that, that does, that's not going to be good at 8 a.m., when people are moving up, you know, people that work in Empire or, you know, uh, Georgetown or whatever, that's not going to be good. And then, uh, thank, uh, thank the Colorado Department of Transportation. Hang on. <laughs> uh, I had to sneeze. Uh, and thank you for the Colorado Department of Transportation because they have webcams up there now. And I'm like, eh, it's orange. Look at the map. Yeah, yellow we can have. That's nothing. That's standard. Orange, yeah, you can still handle that. Red, no, I don't. I don't do red. And then maroon, like you know, freshly wounded blood coming out of your body. And then there's there's almost black. I think they have black maroon, which is like your blood's drying. And then there's just black. And I don't do anything. I don't do red or darker. And uh, it was solid orange. And then there was a splash of red. And I'm looking. I'm like, that is all the way from the Eisenhower Pass to the Vail Pass. And I remember going through that the last time when it was green and it was still somewhat harrowing. I'm like, you know what? This new car, which is not new, it's used, and salvage title, I will mention again. Uh, we're not risking it. We're not going to risk it. So we're going to go the south route again, the south loop. Drop it south. Stopped in Trinidad, Colorado. That was an interesting town. Uh, normally, I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. I'm like, this time now. No, I left. I left at 5 a.m. because you got to avoid traffic going south out of the highway too. Castle Rock has construction, and so I know you just, it just, just to, Denver is quickly becoming Seattle in terms of traffic. I still am pro Denver for young people. Uh, I'm still in Denver for older people. If, as long as you don't live in Denver and you're self-employed, you don't have to work on the I-25 corridor. You can live in Empire. You can live in Golden. You can adjust your schedule. You don't have to commute. But uh, it is quickly becoming that corridor, just like I think it's the I-5 in Seattle. <clears throat> so... Uh, and, that, and, and Denver people are still prettier. Here's another cop. Look at all the fuzz. Gee whiz, that's the sixth one I've seen. What's the mile mark I'm on right now? It started at four something. Yeah, we're not even 40 miles into New Mexico and we've already had this many. Good Lord. Anyway, uh, so you got to drop, I had to drop stuff. I had to wake up at five, left at like 5.45, way ahead of schedule. Avoided rush hour. I didn't even run into traffic in Pueblo, Colorado. <clears throat> Once you make it past Pueblo, you're good. But there's a town called Trinidad with a really interesting uh, mountain in the background. And I've always driven through it because I was always in a rush. Had to get to Albuquerque. Had to get to Las Vegas. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pull in. I need some espresso. And I pulled in. And I'm glad I did because... I think, I'd have to sit and think about it, but I'm pretty sure this is the prettiest American town uh, for my personal taste and preferences in terms of Western architecture. It has that old school First National Bank. It's actually called the First National Bank. It must have been a sizable enough town back in the West. It was a huge hub. Because there's uh, buildings that have six, seven, even eight floors, which is pretty tall for a western town. It's all rock and concrete. You see the the keystone, the date stone, you know, built in 1889. The buildings are all that old western. There was a lot of whores and bordellos back in the day. Whatever, whatever that town was a boom town for, you damn well know there are plenty of whores and bordellos. It just looked like a great happening town back in the. And the old Wild West. 
And there were so many of those old buildings and so much architecture and such beauty. I am going to probably go back there and rent a place for about two weeks. Uh, in part because the, the buildings are pretty, the downtown is pretty. Uh, but also more so, there's a very interesting mountain in the back that I'd like to hike. It's kind of a butte mountain. It's a mountain at the bottom, but at the top it turns into a butte. So there's a cliff you got to kind of scale. I'm sure there's a back route that you don't have to actually scale the mountain or scale the cliff. And it just seemed like a nice little town. So nice, in fact, Roosh is looking to come back to the United States. And um, he was entertaining Rapid City as one of the main towns you might want to consider living in. Uh, I'm like, hey, maybe, you know, live there first before you go. And, and I, I even texted him. I said, hey, Roosh, you might want to check out this town because it has a ton of coffee stores. It's a hippie dump uh, depot now. That's all it is. It's the hippie depot. Trinidad has become the hippie depot because when you pull off, you immediately notice all the long-haired hippie hipsters. There's a ton of pot dispensaries. There's a there's a rehab center. <laughs> and there's a ton of uh, coffee shops and cafes. Uh, and I, I kind of like, you know, I, I'm not going to really be talking to the people. I'm really not going to be hanging out with the potheads. But damn, if this would be a nice town. Reminded me a lot of, like, Wallace, Idaho, if any of you guys have been there. It, maybe it's even the county seat. It's big enough to be. Maybe that's why it's so big. Uh, but just to be in that architecture, to live in a downtown area, sizable old Wild West downtown. Wake up, come out of my upstairs apartment and downstairs Main Street. There's, like, three Main Streets. It's not a, a linear Main Street, and there's just a couple buildings along the main street there's like three main streets so it is more uh, square than it is elongated and just park my ass there go hike go wander around I'm sure I'd only do it two weeks because I'm sure I'd hit every decent place and bar because the, the coffee place I went to you could tell you could tell it's been infested with hippies both hippies and hipsters Went to some cafe, got my double espresso, and sure enough, there's the baby boomer uh, spinster with her hair all done, back in a ponytail like the American Indians, even though she's white, wrinkly as fuck, not feminine at all, wearing her turquoise jewelry, the stereotype, and she's training in the tatted up millennial female, also no ring on the finger, on how to run the coffee and espresso press. Meanwhile, I'm standing there. I've learned. I've learned. I am surrounded by normies, conformies, and inferiors. Say with me now. We are surrounded by, what was it again, boys and girls? Normies, conformies, and inferiors. And I can get angry at them just like I can get angry at the antelope out there for standing in that field. I can get angry at their natural nature at their default state. Or oh, I could just accept and realize that the hippie spinster woman, baby boomer, uh, is such a poor, piss poor manager of time and finances that she has to run a coffee shop, which I'm sure is eminently profitable. I'm sure she is bringing in $100,000 cash profit every month on this. I'm sure her, her retirement is saved. Because no one comes up with a coffee store in quaint abandoned towns where a bunch of hippies and potheads live. I'm sure that is that is so rare that uh, no one has entered that market before. And she is making easily a hundred thousand. She's set. She's set for life. So I accept what I'm dealing with, and I just waited there patiently. Got nowhere to be. Vegas will still be there. Rush hour kind of makes me realize that I can't get to Vegas too early. Because then there's rush hour. I can't even visit Mr. and Mrs. Elkins too early because they, I guess Chad tells me that they sleep in. And here I am. I thought Mr. Elkins was an early to morning, early to rise. Early to bed, early to rise. Makes man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I was talking to Chad. I said, well, what time? You know what? 9, 10? <laughs> 10, 11, <laughs> noon, yeah, what, what old fart sleep in till noon, when you get old and you kind of have to get up early, I was just kind of like, really, Mr. and Mrs. Elkins sleep in that late, 
like, cow, I, I thought they kind of chumma chumma. They, they're in shape. They're uh, very svelte, uh, in shape elderly people. I wouldn't have been surprised, you know, if he was a jogger. You know, Mrs. Elkins was a, was what a power walker. They, I was like, oh, these people, they got to be up in, out of the crack of dawn. Chumma chummying. And uh, so I, I, uh, I may even have to slow myself down. I may have to, you know, go hang out in Las Vegas, New Mexico, wait for the Elkins sisters to wake up. And it's worth getting pampered by Mrs. Elkin. You walk in, oh, hey, because no one visits them. Even their own damn son. Shame on you, Chad Elkins. <laughs> yeah, they twist the hilt of the knife there. That's all right, Chad. I'll visit your parents because nobody else will. <laughs> nah, nah. You... You stay. You stay. That's all right. We'll visit your parents. <laughs> They're so happy to have company. And then, and then uh, very grandmotherly. Oh, what do you want? Do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want this? Yeah, yes, yes. Chad told me just to say yes, because there's no saying no. It's just going to be easier to say yes, because you're going to get it one way or the other. Oh, would you like some, some tea, Father Ted? Only a few of you will get that joke. And so uh, I was just waiting patiently, knowing the Elkinses weren't up, knowing that if I if I chumma chumma straight to Vegas, I'd run into rush hour. So there's no rush, no no need to no need to hip hop. And then I got and then she was done training the uh, the young lady. Oh hi, that's all right. No, I wanted to see how long you were going to train someone on the coffee machine before executing the most basics of customer service and turning around to looking to see if, you know, that doorbell that rings, like you walk in, there's the bell, ding, ding. Hey, someone walked through the door. Maybe it's somebody who wants to give me money. Maybe it's terrorists. Maybe it's a dog with very adept paws who can turn the doorknob and let himself in. Why should we turn around and find out? <clears throat> oh, Hi. Would you like something? No, lady. I just drove all the way from fucking Minneapolis to sit here and stand to look at your wrinkly baby boomer face and speculate on your piss poor finances. Say so, yes, I'd like a double espresso. Okay. And then she goes and she does get the. That was another thing that was very tempting. Oh, guys, I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you. Um. I love driving across the country. Well, I love driving across the country, motorcycle or car, going through these no-name towns, and you find these no-name bars, man. You just find these old 1880s type of wood bars and how they've put on the neon from the 1930s and 40s and 50s and how they kept it the same or maybe they didn't. The neon signs outside. Just beautiful, just beautiful. You just sit there and you have yourself a canopper. In this uh, cafe, which was on the main street in uh, downtown Trinidad, at what time was it? That's the that's central time. So it? I think it was 8.30. The bar was open. There were guys already sitting at the bar. Oh, one guy had the shakes. Holy shit. You guys ever get the shakes? You drink so much you get the shakes? A little shaky? I thought it was just like a little bit like, yeah, you're a little bit off. This guy was shaking. I think he probably came from the, the detox center next door. I, I, I mean, uncontrollably shaking. I'm like, whoa. You're like, hey, that, that, no, don't want to go there. But here's this bar, this beautiful, ornate wood bar with windows, or not windows, with mirrors in the back. And the booze all set up, and it's a nice old classic wood bar. The bar's wood, the stools are there. It's truly Western. Lord knows it was probably there back in the gold rush, or in the mining rush, or the whore rush, or whatever rush it was out there in Trinidad. <laughs> and that's just a town where you could just, you know, have this dream make millions of dollars. And then you just, and the pro, I know you think I have ultimate freedom, I don't. I have to be places at a certain time. But if I had millions, not a lot, just a couple, where I didn't have to be anywhere at any one time, I would just drive my motorcycle around and I had an unlimited liver. 
and just park my ass in these small little towns and take them in in their entirety, entirety and then move on to the next town. Sit at the local bar, get a local hotel. Van Horn was like that. Van Horn, Texas. I wish I could have spent more time there. I think there's a town called Fremont, Montana. That might be another one. That's on the North Dakota border. That was also a nice little town when you got in. You're like, oh, look at this old little town. And, oh, there's like a little bed and breakfast or a, a, a hotel upstairs. Silverton, Colorado was like that. And Trinidad was like that. Like, oh, like just to sit and take in the architecture, not even the booze or the coffee or the caffeine, just to sit and look and not be in a rush. But you can't. you got to be going to the next place. And I do not have the unlimited funds. The only reason I travel this much is because, once again, I get to crash on the Great Ones uh, futon, Denver Ben's uh, guest room, Albuquerque Adam's guest room. Who I think he has the best guest room. I think Albuquerque Adam wins. Not that there's a competition. Well, Sergeant Greg's got a pretty nice guest room. Sergeant Greg's got a pretty nice guest. I wonder who wins in the guest room battle. Then there's... My buddy Chad out in North Carolina. That's pretty good, too. That's a little girly. I, I still think Albuquerque Adam wins because it's more of a bachelor pad. Whereas, uh, uh, and he can have, like, you know, ah, it's just a room. And we got this, he's got a schwank bachelor pad. We can look over Albuquerque at night. It's a really nice view. Uh, uh, Sergeant Greg, very nice, but it's, uh, uh, it's an all-purpose, like, it's not designed for roaming bachelors. Uh, it's more of a family. Well, he, has, he is a family man. he got a family. And, and I am not the only one that stays in that bed. I think Albuquerque Adam has the best. I think he really has the best. I don't even want to say accommodations. Just kind of, hey, we're at the bachelor pad. Hey, all right, look at that view. Hey. Let's go ride motorcycles around and be cool bachelors who make lots of money and are in our 40s. All right. <clears throat> Sergeant Greg, he drags me out, too, to go motorcycle riding. And every time I've ridden with him, I've ditched my bike. We always go off-road. I keep, keep hitting ruts and keep ditching the bike. I'm like, dang it. Only, the only time I've ever ditched a bike was with Sergeant Greg. He's bad luck. He's bad juju sauce. Thankfully, we're not going that fast. And it is off-road. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, so now I, I stopped at Trinidad. Beautiful. I think I'll spend two weeks there. Maybe that is my dream. Maybe that would be my dream. Make enough money that I can just randomly go. No plans. Just, no, nope, give me this hotel here. No, I'm getting, like, you don't even have to go on Hotels.com or Priceline. You just pull in a town like the olden days, which I guess is the closest equivalent you're going to have to the Westerners, you know, the cowboys pulling in on their horses, Cappy pulling in on his motorcycle. You got a room? Why, yes, sir. Nah, it's more Southern Bell. That's Southeastern. Well, howdy there, stranger. Yeah, that's more Western, Western woman. What could we do you for? Need a room there, young lady. Oh. Room 420. Thank you much. Go around the local saloon, kick the door in. Although there ain't no western cowboys or banditos or anything like that. There's no sheriffs or marshals. It's all just a bunch of potheads and hippies. So what they do, they, <clears throat> these potheads and hippies, they go out to this small little town. <clears throat> I don't know what they think. They're going to run an art store run a pot dispensary. I'm going to work at the coffee store. Never last, never last until some bank refinances the next dumb schmuck that goes, says, hey, I can run this coffee store. I always want to run a coffee store in a small, quaint little town. That kicks it down the can. Or, you know, They go through their pittance of a 401k or IRA that they got working as a teacher. Once that money's gone, and then everyone quits and gets fired, or they, you know, the locals figure they can't uh, live there. It's just a concept, totally transient. I bet I'd be very curious to see what Trinidad's population demographics are like in terms of uh, uh, 
staying power, longevity, whatever the demographical term is for that. Uh, so we have low quality <coughs> phone recording because what's going to happen is I'll pull into Vegas tonight. I have a ton of asshole consulting to do when I get there. And then uh, Tuesday I'll have to do the Older Brother podcast, but I want to have Dr. David Perodin on, but he's like, oh, I got to be a good boy before my book comes out. So I guess we can't have him on on anything kind of controversial. Maybe I'll do the Older Brother podcast. Maybe not. Maybe I'll make this the Older Brother podcast. And uh, then I got a lot of work to do. The work doesn't... I got to write. Got to write. Got to make hay. Got to combine. Got to double, triple dip. Got to do the podcast with driving across the middle of nowhere in northern New Mexico. Uh, one, I heard... What was it? I was listening to Bernard Chapin's show. I do not like Bernard Chapin. I don't hate him either genuinely indifferent uh, but I do like the show and he was talking about a survey uh, I think it was put out by OkCupid where millennials if I remember the statistics correctly a decade ago people of the same age women it was both women and men were like 20% that they would not they, they would swipe left or what is we don't want the person They'd swipe, I don't want to meet this person if their politics didn't matter, or if their politics didn't match. That had gone up to 47% for today's millennial women. And the men went from like 20% to 30%. And I, oh my God, it, it's just, I got to write a chapter in the book on millennials, the chapter I'm on now, which highlights improves just what a failure of a generation they are but and I'm going standard traditional stuff debt labor uh, force participation rate um, percent that work part-time jobs is youth uh, net worth savings rates da -da 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 -da. but then you get these anecdotal bits where they place uh, and it was something like it, they surveyed would you rather have this or sex? <clears throat> and the women especially because remember women do not like sex as much as men boys I'm going to tell you that again and please do not fake dude bro puff chest out with your NBA come on dude chicks are you know, like sex just as much as guys do I get no, no 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 they do not they they empirically do not because if they did there'd be a lot more fucking going on and we'd overpopulate I've gone down this road before uh, but just to show how successful the left has been at getting women and men, but predominantly women, to place politics above all else, to place politics above love, to place politics above sex. But then again, you women would, you know, you'll place a kitty cat above sex. <laughs> Where does sex rank in women's life? I mean, it's like, okay, my career, yes, ladies, we, we know your career and education comes from, we know. Your, then your career Sometimes you, you have to go talk to your therapist About what do I value more My career or my, my education My education, my career uh, Then there's probably what You Then your children If you have any uh, Then your um, What would it be Social status Like your community Your participation in the community uh, your politics is sometimes is, is ranked a tied for second behind, or maybe tied for first. I don't know. It's up there. It's up there. But sex is what Af after money, rent, furniture, cats, pets. Sex has got to be so lowly ranked or moderately ranked in women's world. Um. And, and genetically so, biologically so, but <laughs> I just wonder, didn't you ever have good sex? Have you never had your world rocked in bed? What was it? I looked up the statistics once. Not not to break. Okay, the old capmeister doesn't like to break. When the captain was young and dumb, he thought girls were like guys and they could only come once and then there'd have to be this um, refactory period. 
But early on, I figured out uh, through performance, I won't lie, it was through performance, that some girls can come multiple times. And soon, that became the standard. So I don't know if it was bias selection that the girls I were choosing were very comfortable within their sexuality. Um, and again, still somewhat dumb and naive. I thought, well, what, what was wrong with the other girls? Why were they only having, you know, orgasming once? And not to be crass. But then I just, oh, yeah, these girls are like, you want to go again? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. I didn't go yet. You know, I knew. I'm like, nah, we got to, you know. And I'm not joking. Five, six, sometimes ten. One time, I think it was 16 times. <laughs> 16 and 0. I'm still, I'm waiting. All right, 16 and 1. I got to go to bed. Yeah. You won, lady. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so I just thought, oh, the majority of women can have multiple orgasms. I thought that. And then there was something wrong with the women that could only have one. Or maybe they just didn't like me that much. Well, then I come to find out it's damn well near a third of women can't even come once. Not even once. Oh, we can speculate because you're all fucked up inside your head. Where's this going? What does it mean? Why did it you, you fuck up a physical act with emotional thought. Well, it's how women are. Well, too fucking bad. I guess you get, get less comings. I guess you have less orgasms. There was a book put out a long time ago uh, where they interviewed old people that were on their deathbed or in nursing homes. And like, what were your regrets? And there were things like, you know, I wish I had more ice cream. Top one, I think, was, of course, I worked less and I spent more time with my kids and grandkids. I think that was the, the obvious and the number one thing. But I, it was things like, I wish I had more ice cream. I wish I fished more. No one ever said, I wish I worked more and made more money. It was a very insightful and, and simple but I think very clever and necessary book. Maybe I should go read it sometime and find out what the old people said. Because you morons, you're I'm going to live in the city. And meanwhile, all the old people are moving to Florida in tax-free warm states. I'm like, I'm going to do what those guys are doing. Which is why I'm the youngest guy on the golf course all the time in Las Vegas. But somewhere in there, uh, I bet you, if women were to be honest, is I wish I had more orgasm. Or I wish I had an orgasm. <laughs> And you can come up with the excuses why, you know, same thing, I get excuses with my clients. I had a bad childhood. My dad wasn't around. I have the head to head to his. I'm on the spectrum. I have social anxiety disorders. I'm just not comfortable, bro. Too fucking bad. It's too bad you choose not to have orgasms. <gasps> oh my god, you don't understand female psychosocial. Shut the fuck up. <coughs> I need to be comfortable with daddy. Yeah, you need to be comfortable what? Until you hit menopause and no guy wants to fuck you. Then you have no orgasms. You have no chocolate ice cream. You have no cake. You have no more fishing. You're the old, you're the orgasmless spinster dying on the nursing home bed. Whose celebration and achievement is you have your master's degree in women's studies or whatever the fuck it is that you guys have now? I'll completely disregard you baby boomers and no, I will not respect my elders. The spectacular failure of a generation you guys were. And so then, yeah, you know, I, I'd imagine, I'd imagine because of that, sex must be very lowly ranked. If a third of you can't even have orgasms, I'd argue in the majority of the cases because you choose to, that's very politically incorrect, but I'm not here to, to play the, the victim game or the woe is me game. And you're okay with that. Apparently a third, I mean, I, okay. <clears throat> I'm not saying you have to. It's your choice. A third can have <clears throat> one, or maybe it was even more than can have one. And then there was a small, man, my, my numbers are off. I want to say it was a third, maybe 50, and only 20% could have multiple I'm like, am I just getting lucky, or am I good, you know, is, is something, you know, are they lying? Are Minnesota women just that comfortable with themselves, which I don't see at all. But yeah, it's the, the women don't like sex as much as men. I forgot where I was going with this. 
I'm also segway bragging, not not intentionally, but it, it was a point to make. Maybe I am just that fucking good. <clears throat> so we have the bad audio quality terribly. Oh yeah, that's right. Where was it going? Oh, I got to get all the work done. I got to get the work done. So oh, that's right. We're talking about the the. I'm doing this without notes, guys. You got to forgive me. We're talking about that uh, that poll. And so, yeah, gals, I get it. And guys, I get it. Your politics are very important. I'm, I'm glad that you were such easily dupable. You were so not independent thinking that you value your politics. To basically half, just shy of half of young women. We're not talking marriage. I understand if you don't want to marry someone you disagree with politically. You can't. I don't even think you can do that. I think uh, that's, that's not possible. But to have sex, to go on a date just to have fun? There was one time, oh! Oh, I've told this story before. I'll tell it to you again. You guys know I got a hard spot. I mean, a soft spot for redheads. Because if you don't, you're wrong. To pair quote Chris Beckloff. I was teaching dance class in St. Paul. I remember it very well. <clears throat> and there are these sisters that came in. Two, two sisters came in. I think both were teachers. Yeah, I think both were teachers. And I was younger, and this redhead was cute. She was cute. She was short, and she wasn't hot. She was just cute. And she had kind of that hippie girl thing going on. And uh, I'm not a bigot when it comes to sex. I'll have sex with liberal chicks, because that's all basically your choices are in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, and your, basically till you're dead. And, uh... You know, you can kind of tell a girl's flirting with you and maybe likes you a little bit. Over five weeks of dance courses. and So the end of the class comes up. I said, uh, you, you want to go see a movie? She's like, yeah. And she's smiling. You can tell she liked me. You glimmer in her eye. Smiling, yeah. You don't know. Oh, well, I don't know. You're like, yeah. And this is, this is so long ago. This is when we exchanged phone numbers. Not to text, but to call one another. And, uh, and we're and how, okay. Here's how. Here, this will date it. Whatever year the Great Raid came out, before James Franco threw away his career on pothead, dopey Seth uh, Rogan dipshit films. Uh, James Franco had a breakout role in the movie The Great Raid, which is a great movie. Uh, and I own it. I I should watch that again. It's so good. And I had seen it before, but it was such a good movie, I wanted to see it again. I said, well, let's go see The Great Raid. You know, because I want to make sure she enjoyed herself. So it's it's all on, man. Like, I pick her up. She's like, would you like a coffee? I'm like, no, that's all right. She's got her little fucking East Indian rug hanging up on the wall. Yeah, all right. The cute little hippie chick. And, and uh, it, it was probably the last innocent date I had. I, mean, I guess with the ending that's about to come up, it's not innocent at all. It's tragic. You know, and uh, so we go out and we're, we're just sparring with one another and, and it's nice. And uh, we go see the movie and it's the light night's dim. I'm watching. Oh, this is a great movie. I'm into it. I, oh, and I'm like thinking, what am I going to do next? So the movie ends. We get out of the theater and permanent resting bitch face. I'm like, which was not a thing back then, but that's exactly what it looked like. And she was cold. She didn't say much of anything, if anything at all. I abandoned, I quickly realized something happened. I didn't know if I was farting in the theater or what. And I, uh, <clears throat> like, eh, we're not gonna go get coffee. We're not gonna go to the bar. And I dropped her off, and she got out of the car and stammered right off to her house. I'm like, huh, that was weird. What did I do? This is back in the day when men were stupid enough to say, what did I do? When instead, nowadays, you guys go to the internet, you type in, what did I do? And the answer right there is nothing. Women are fucked in the head. And that is the true answer. So I thought, eh, something must have been wrong. I don't think and so that I I remember asking her out on a date over email again you know because men are stupid they don't learn and she says Aaron 
I am a pacifist and you took me to a war movie. What were you thinking? I don't know if I can go out with you again. And I'm like, oh, because you sent me your profile and resume on your social justice warrior activities and that your beliefs was pacifism. (laughs) She never said anything. Never told me. Like, I was just supposed to know. And it was so defeating. I mean, these weren't straws that were dropped on the camel's back. I think this was when Cappy was 30, 31, maybe 29. Enough straws had been put on the old Capmeister's back that, you know, he's weighed down. He was a tired camel. It's like, why are there so many straws on my back? It's a long-ass desert I've been hauling my ass across. Because it's perfectly analogous to compare American men to... Saharan camels. And then this was like a, a log that was just the dunk. In addition to the girl that hit me, the dunk. And you kind of like, I didn't do anything. You know, you got the self-respect in your late 20s. Fuck you, bitch. I didn't do jack fuck all shit. I was nice. I pay, I picked you up in an old classic, old classic 1950s style. I picked you up. I asked you on a date. I, I know you. Let's go back even more. Let's go back even more. Let's go through all the stages and the steps this old dumb Gen Xer did that you millennial needle dick pussy boy soy boys can't even fucking do it yourself. She's too busy looking in the drawer for tweezers so you can jerk off the internet port. What did Cappy do? Let's evaluate. Let's review. Shall we, ladies and gentlemen? Cappy learned how to dance. Then Cappy had entrepreneurial skills, so he went forth and set up dance classes. Cappy then taught many dance classes, so his routine and gimmick and shtick was polished. So it was refined and entertaining and charming and tickling of women's fancies. Cappy taught thousands of dance classes, and then at this one, there happened to be a cute chick that there was chemistry with, man. There was chemistry. She had the red hair. I don't even think giggity was a word then, but if it was, we would have said giggity. She would have said giggity to me. She would have saw me walking in dance class. I'd say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, da-da-da-da-da-da. She would have said giggity. And I would have walked around, helped out, and then when I got to her, I'd be like, giggity. Dance class. Built up the courage, which really wasn't a lot of courage, because inevitably you pussies... I'm afraid of asking girls off. Fuck you. That's about to approach one of the how do I get the girls question. How do I ask out the girls? That one I'm charging $100 for. The stupid tax that's embedded in the Clary pricing system. And I said, hey, do you want to go see a movie? She said yes. She gave me her number. I gave her mine. Maybe. I don't know. Then I called her. You know, the obligatory call... You know, the afternoon of. Are we still on for tonight? Then I drove her in my standard transmission car, which is more fuel efficient and better for the environment, I find out, by the way. You fake fucking frauds with your environmentalism. I walked up to her door, knocked on it. She invited me in. I chatted. I didn't freak out. And, what do I say? I didn't like write scripts on my hand like some fucking Silicon Valley nerd who's never felt a booby in his life before. I winged it. I was myself. I was Clary Man Epitomal. We chatted. We flirted. I had tea or coffee. I can't remember which. I said, do you want to go to the movie? She said, yeah. I opened the door for her even. Oh, Cappy, you foolish, outdated, antiquated man. This was in the aughts, early aughts, mid-aughts, many years ago. Before many of you had pubes. I took her to the thing. I paid for the date. Now, what was wrong? What did I do wrong? And when you're old enough... Once you've been screwed around and women pull the fucking bullshit and the, this is beyond shit test. This is drama. This is antics. This is this is crap. You say, hey, wait a minute. I got self-respect. I did jack all fucking shit wrong. And if I did do something wrong, 
and I'm unaware of it, by God, that's going to require such a change in my psychology to be aware of the eggshells and landmines I have laid around that it's not worth it. I guess I'll go be celibate or MGTOW because I'm not going to live this insane life, you know, dancing around eggshells of the, of the fragile sensibilities of the proto-millennial generation. And then I realized I didn't do anything wrong. I have self-respect. No, you took something that could have been great and fun and enjoyable. It was. It was. It was great, wonderful, enjoyable experience. And all you had to do was say, you could have even made it funny. You could have just made it funny. You do know I'm a pacifist, don't you? I'd be like, what? I'd be like, oh, no. So, like, that movie would not was not good, huh? And then that would have been funny. No, you gotta make the innocent guy who just charged the beaches of Normandy feel like shit. It's not, you know what it's like? It's not, I'm charging the beaches of Normandy, or these young men are charging the beaches of Normandy, and they're getting shot at it, and they make it up the hill, and it takes courage, and it's that the Germans are shooting at us. No, that's the Germans are supposed to shoot at you. That's what's supposed to happen. It's when you get repelled or rejected off the beaches by the Germans on Normandy Beach that the women back at home in Britain or the United States or the home front bitch and whine you, 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 you didn't know? You didn't know that that was going to happen? That's the insult. It's like, bitch, I'm the one that did all the approaching and the courage and the approach and the courageousness and took all the action. And, and, and you come up you complain. It's, not even, it's, it's even worse than that. We captured the beach. We captured it spectacularly. We executed perfectly. You're bitching and whining because we took that pillbox instead of the other pillbox first. Because you're a pacifist. You're bitching and whining. Well, you should have used the BAR instead of the M1 Garand. Because you're a pacifist. And you're going to huff and puff and, and stammer your little feet and pout. And that, that was about 10 years ago, or maybe even more. Oh, it had to be 15 years ago. Whenever the Great Raid came out, which parallels this survey that was done, which means women are two and a half times more like that today. <laughs> and I always wondered what happened to that girl. You know, I always wondered, yeah. Here's this guy, you might have something, everything seemed to be on fire. All pistons were firing, all cylinders are go. And you ruined it. You ruined it with something as petty as politics. And I wonder where she is now. Did she find the nice pacifist? Dude, you, dude I'm sure there's one or two of you out there where you're, you are masculine pacifists and you can beat the shit out of me. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet around 97 to 98% of the pacifists, uh, pacifists, my scrawny buck 50 ass can easily beat the fucking shit out of. I don't care how tall or big you are, I could probably beat the fucking shit out of you. So if she's going to relegate herself to the pacifist, what pathetic limp-wristed Gen X soy boy with gray hair now, is she, maybe not, she's even, not even married. Because the politics didn't add up. What's her dating life like? Again, I understand you don't marry someone within your poly. I understand that. But who did she date? I want to know the percentage of first dates she had that beat mine in terms of lead up to the movie. Take the movie out of it. Take the movie out of it. How many, how many guys did she date that were on par with that? That had that, that much promise, that much of a, of a good lead up to a story? <laughs> oh. And you, you boys, you dipshits, you morons. <laughs> Me too. Me too. If a, if a girl's conservative, fuck that. I respect women. Because I'll tell them whatever I think they want to hear so I can fuck them. That's respect. 
irony is that you tell women no because you do respect them and want to treat them like equals and you actually hold them to standards. Make them all pissed off, but we'll get you laid. Meanwhile, doing what they say they want you to do and then not really treating them with respect, but fake treating them with respect. You're just, just sucking up to them. Doesn't get you laid. Never forget that picture of that soy boy with the Emma Sokolowitz, that mattress girl, where he's helping her carry the mattress. That, that fucking, that sap, that simp. That's who this cute little redhead got. There's your choices, sweetheart. There you go. And you boys think, see, you boys, that 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 increase from twenty percent to thirty percent. That's just you boys think it's going to get you laid. You'll do whatever you're told just to get yourself laid. As long as it isn't hit the gym, learn to approach, uh, uh, embrace rejection, and build up a callous and courage. As long as it's not that, you'll do anything you can but that. So, yeah, Balta, I'm socialist. Yeah, I'm all for I'm a male feminist. But the women, oh, God, you women will do whatever you're told by your teachers and professors and authority figures, won't you? Because you're so strong and independent and critical thinking and independent-minded. And you put fucking politics above love, above sex. I, I would even say it's love, wouldn't you say? I guess it I guess it would be love as well. I guess Tinder is more of a well, for men it's trying to hook up site, for women it's just a it's a, a heroin needle for attention fix. But we, could we say we could say this? 47% of millennial women, at least surveyed by this one dating sites or apps or whatever it was they were uh, using it to analyze, they they put their politics above fellow men, fellow human beings. Uh, We could say sex and the potential for love. Could we call it that? Companionship and the uh, universal love, whether it would be companionship or romantic or sexual, the universal love and affection. There we go. The affection of men. I think that summarizes it rather, rather thoroughly and succinctly. Women value their politics over the affection of men. Half of them do. Have fun! Have fun! And then, related to this, did did I hear it right? Because I don't pay attention to news, and I've been on the road this entire time. Did Rachel Maddow actually cry on her show when the Mueller report came back and Trump was exonerated? Did she, is that true? She is, did that actually happen? Because if it did happen, and I'm, I, I kind of want to believe it did. I, I don't want to believe I'm, I'm, if I had to put money on it, I wouldn't. That is so telling of so many things. And especially modern day leftist women, female psyche. If she did, if she did, the first thing that came to mind is, why are you crying over the fact that our president, our number one elected public official, is not corrupt. Like, if there was a corruption investigation against Obama, I would hope it came out clean, so I know, okay, at least he's not corrupt. I disagree with his policies. <clears throat> I disagree with his antics. But uh, at least he's not corrupt. So from a, I don't know, a, a government management perspective, a truly political science perspective, wouldn't everybody celebrate that? But Rachel Maddow, again, assuming she was crying, she didn't care about that. She hates Trump so much. She is beyond an ideologue. She is an evil person. She is not a journalist. She has no desire for the embitterment of people. She wants socialism. She hates Trump above everything else. Forget whether he, his, his statesmanship is, is validated or vindicated. He's a good statesman or he's, he's not a corrupt politician, forget that we have, in this regard, in terms of governance, a good government official. She is so pissed off that she wanted an innocent man to be guilty to the point that her value, her entire fucking life value, is based on the ruination of a man she simply disagrees with on politics. 
her entire life's happiness, her entire career, but her life's happiness is based on the ruin. She has such a hate boner for Donald Trump. It's 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 Ahab's whale. He's ruining this left. This is so great. Maybe it's analogous. I wonder, are the millennials that are at that uh, millennial uh, housing unit storage facility in Tucson, are they even more depressed now? Was that what was depressing them at life? Even though they were all young and in shape and all had great jobs at national parks and could go hike and they were living near canyons that they could hike? They were all off duty. They should be living their life and enjoying. They were at the prime of their life. Is that why they were so sad and depressed? Because Trump was in office? And if that was the case, are they now trebly, quadruply miserable? Are they too crying like Rachel Maddow was in theory on her show? Because they are such valueless people, they are so meaningless, worthless people because they have nothing else in their lives but their hatred and being an anti-Trump. Is that it? Is that all you got? I mean, look, I won't lie to you. Politics and economics played a huge role in my life. I made money off of it. I mean, uh, the the apolitical, the non-political part of economics, uh, researching economics and banking and finance, that, that's certainly one thing. Um, but the politics, when I was had my radio show, broke handicap, hep, uh, my entire self-employed existence is owed to it. But never once did I say, boy, I want to read about politics instead of hike a mountain. Not, not once, ladies, did I ever, ever put the most fascinating or controversial, intellectually stimulating politics or economics over a great ball-sucking blowjob. Not once, not once did I put the most fascinating book on economics I've ever read or a seminar I had above having an orgasm. Not once, and certainly not love. Certainly not love. But you girls... You millennial, I can't even say girls because there were boys in that millennial group that, I mean, my God, you know, I got a gun in the car. Do you all want to go shoot yourselves in a communal suicide? You'd be happier that way. The fact you guys are so miserable because you put your politics above all because you have nothing else in value in life, that is why you are miserable. That is why you are worthless. And it's funny. It's funny. For people like me, who put humans first, who love our fellow man more than anything else, who value it more than anything else in life, even our most passionate of hobbies, even most dangerous of threats, you think I don't know that socialism is a threat? You don't think I know that's important? I put brain power into that, but I'm not going to let it ruin my life. But to watch basically my political adversaries and enemies inflict punishment upon themselves that I couldn't even wish, I couldn't even meet out with the most spectacular of Cartmanian-like levels. You know, there's people I've thought about, man, if I gotta go with cancer, I'm gonna take out this guy, this girl, that guy, and this girl. And they all deserve it. They all deserve it. But as I've gotten older, I look at them, I'm like, why would I do them that favor? Why would you bump off some feminist shrill, some harpy, some women's studies professor who's fat and miserable and short hair? Why would you bump her off no matter what she's done for ruination of your enjoyment of the sexes? She is so miserable in any kind of, any kind of physical retribution against a leftist is a mercy killing. If you really want the left to be pained and miserable, you really want vengeance upon them, let them live life. Let them be a leftist. Leave them alone. Encourage them. Just like I did that dipshit checkout boy who wanted to you know, lecture me about Trump. You know, oh, you Trump like, hey, what are you going to study? Oh, theater? You better get your doctorate. <laughs> you let them live. You encourage them. Yes, big is beautiful. Yes, your politics is more important than love. Yes, your career is more important than your children. Yes, your education is more important than your theoretical husband. 
Yes, your politics is more important than your fellow love and affection of your fellow man. Things are more important than, than investments. Items and status and prestige and your, your social justice worrying and your virtue signaling and you buying organic, that's more important than you having a job, a profession, a career, or becoming a contributing member to society and actually working up something of value. Yes, all of that is true. You keep on going and being the miserable fucking cunt you are. And by cunt, I mean both female and male leftists. Please go continue to be miserable. Cry because a public official was found out not to be corrupt. Be miserable when you're never going to be in this prime state of your life again, living in great hiking conditions with great jobs. Be miserable now. Be miserable now because a guy you don't like is president. Because if you're miserable now, I can't wait to see when you're like that baby boomer woman serving up me my coffee in Trinidad, Colorado, who you damn well know is bankrupt, who's this is her last hurrah. She thinks this damn coffee shop is going to save her and it's not going to happen because she was a leftist and didn't want to work. All of her decisions were made in laziness and sloth and politics and not love and selflessness and happiness and joy and working, being for your fellow man, being your husband, your children, your friends, your society. That's their future. That's their fate. You want to root? You want to end that? You want to put an end to that? Let them be. Let them live. Let millennial women think that their politics is more important than orgasms. Please do. I mean, you, how much more empirical evidence do you need, guys? Have, have you looked at the baby boomer generation? Have you looked at the baby boomer women? I mean, the baby boomer men, God bless them if they get out of life, out of, uh, you know, they die in this life with only two divorces under the belt. God bless them if they actually can retire. And then look at the baby boomer women. Oh my God, shortcut. The, the our time, not in our time like BBC, but our time, the dating site. All these washed up baby boomer women thinking they're going to get laid. They're going to find millionaire husbands the third time around. They think they're going to find Richard fucking gear. They got their cats. It's so sad. It's not a stereotype. It's such a stereotype that it's true. It's a fact now. Look at Gen X women. Look at Gen X guys. Oh, guys. How's that first round of divorce going for you guys, huh? You didn't swallow the red pill, did you? <laughs> oh, look at the... I mean, cause I know you guys probably don't have a lot of baby boomer female friends, but I got a lot of baby boomer female friends. And you go on the Facebook, divorce, single ma, rah, rah, time to get serious, I got my masters, oh, I have to, it, I just, not that they deserve it, I mean, I, I'm just saying, when you fall for the leftist indoctrination and brainwashing, and you put your fucking career, you put fucking money, not even money, fuck, half these times these girls major in stupid shit where there is no money, you put the fucking bullshit fake prestige of having a master's degree and your goddamn politics above people. Maybe that's why there's such a high rate of lesbianism because you've, you've pushed everybody away in your life that you need to have some kind of human affection attention and so the only other people that are going to tolerate or get past that political hurdle you put in front of them are other fellow feminists. And since you're so physically revolting and disgusting both physically and mentally that you, you just got each other, well, maybe, okay, we're carpet lickers now or munchers or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm just speculating on that. <clears throat> oh. Anyway, uh, let's do the sponsors real quick here. i got to get some gas before I go up into the mountains. Uh, assholeconsulting.com. Check that out if you don't want the miserable life that these people are going to have. Dan Allman's book, Alandra, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez Wants Cows Stop Farting. Trade the Ratio by Glorious Carl. Check out my books. I'll put the links all down below. But go to Amazon.com. Search Aaron Clary. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, 
Oh, what else? Oh, I remember. I don't want to go to this gas station because everybody goes to this gas station. Uh, InvisibleHandFashion.com. Why don't you check out that site? He's an old sponsor. I'll just throw him that there. I just go to my site, CaptainCapitalismUpBlogspot.com. Click on the banner. Or click on the links there below. Just get my books. Do all that stuff. And then uh, subscribe to the channel, YouTube channel, Aaron Clary and Older Brother. And then, um, what else? Oh, I don't know. Just, uh, yeah. Oh, donate. Olderbrother.com slash donate. If you want to do your Amazon shopping and give me some shekels without having to pay for anything, you just have Bezos pay me a, uh, a commission. Or if you want to donate money, there's a PayPal and a Patreon donation. Oh, if you do donate to Patreon, you get access to the one thing I have behind a paywall, and that is my lengthy essay called Sanity is the Future of Wealth. And I think I'm... I think that is, I'm not joking, I think that is the most advanced bit of political writing today you're ever going to find. So uh, take a look at that. Hang on, i got to shift in a second, because I drive a standard transmission, unlike you anti-environmentalist millennial pussies. Alright, going to log out, not hit the person. Turn that on, turn that off, get the gas, Aaron. Alright, we'll see you guys later. Toodles.